Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old school greats and new school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here for this week's Know Your Foe episode. And joining us from the Brown side is Pete Smith. Pete, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I've got no complaints. Uh, tell folks where they can find your work online and your Twitter handle to get the show started here. Uh, yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at underscore Pete Smith underscore. You can find my work, uh, Browns Digest. That's si.com slash NFL slash Browns. Uh, yeah, we're, that's where all of our stuff is. Okay, outstanding, Pete. Very happy to have you. want to thank our sponsor. That's Liquid Death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. Please give their product a try. They've been very good to us, and we'd appreciate if if you do that. They are definitely are a green product. They're in recyclable aluminum cans as opposed to the plastic that'll end up in a landfill. So, Pete, let's uh, talk a little bit about the Browns and where they are this season. Obviously, now there was some hope early on that uh, even with an eleven game suspension from Deshaun Watson, that there would be time for the the club to recover with Watson playing the last six games. Sure. Look, people wanted to talk themselves into this idea that because the Browns do have talent um, and, and so much of this was about making the transition from deciding Baker Mayfield was not the guy to where do they go from here? They obviously make the trade for Deshaun Watson and then they bring in Jacoby Brissett is sort of that bridge guy. And all that sounds really good until you looked around at the AFC, which was absolutely loaded. And if you were just picking players, you know, quarterbacks, Jacoby Brissett, you probably would have picked maybe 14th, 15th out of, out of the conference. And, and, and to his credit, he's played really, really well. But if you're trying to say, how realistic is it for the Browns to con- contend in that atmosphere? It was always going to be a really difficult climb for them. I mean, even at this point, the NFC, clearly the inferior conference, the Browns have played three NFC teams. It's been all AFC and, you know, People talking about oh all AFC all the AFC West teams could be in the playoffs all the AFC, people had all of them winning the division at some point the Colts were supposed to be a division winner at one point and and the 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 real surprise I think you, you would argue is the Jets and maybe maybe Jacksonville a little bit but the, it it was just a loaded field this was never a good fit for what the Browns were trying to do and they knew that. Um, and they 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 sort of maneuvered around it. They they weren't super active in free agency. They signed a couple guys, uh, not a whole lot of money. They extended a lot of players and freed up a lot of cap space to roll over into the next year. And and the result was they had sort of drafted a lot of young players over the course of the year. And they basically said, hey, these guys are either going to prove that they should be part of this thing going forward, or they're going to sort of need to be replaced. And you've gotten some sort of mixed results on that. And some of it has been really positive and some of it has been really murky. And some of it was, you know, you could see it, you know, heading into the season, it wasn't going to go well. And here we are. Four, well, what, five and eight. Or, well, yeah. Let's talk about, you know, the, the, the biggest elephant in the room, which is the Deshaun Watson. And and I have no interest in talking about the legal situation and which sure. we're past that anyway. So let's just talk about Deshaun Watson, the quarterback uh, these, these last two weeks. What, you know, obviously, I hadn't played football for a long time. What, what have you seen this maybe different or better or worse than expected? Well, the, the Houston game, uh, I, I was worried about that game going into it. Um, uh, the, the the thing I, I guess I was surprised was how small the crowd was. I actually thought that might work in his favor, but it was clearly a lot. 
as it would be given everything they went in that beyond, you know, off field, he played there. Like that was home mm -hmm. for him. There was a lot. So it was bad. I mean, it was, it was horrible. Uh, throwing crisp bounce passes in a game that doesn't need those or, and the game was clearly too fast for him at that point, which was surprising. I, I, you know, at one point at the end of that first game, he, he pulled out from under center early. It, it was just sort of, that was sort of that, that, that crystallized it, it was, it had snowballed. And from there on, they had sort of, they just ran the ball the rest of the game. They had control at that point. You go to week two, you weren't really sure based on what you were going to get from week one, how much better it would be. And it was a lot better. Um, it's not, he's not Deshaun Watson quite yet, but, he was markedly improved. Uh, the, the speed wasn't as bad. It's still, he st I, I would categorize him as half a beat slow in that game. Um, there's a couple notable examples where he's really good, and there's a couple where he's pretty bad. But you like that. I think the, the most indicative of him finding comfort is his legs. Uh, I think he was the most Deshaun Watson when you saw him sort of evading pressure and, and escaping some of the, the sack attempts he had, and he made one, you know, one of those throws that only a handful of guys can make in the league where a guy's hanging on his ankle and he throws a 24 yard pass to, to Donovan was Jones. You're like, wow, you, you know, you, you can criticize him for a lot of things, but you understand why they got this guy and why he's so important. Now you you mentioned half a beat slow at the beginning of that, and and when you say that, you mean half a beat slow releasing the football, making his read, what that kind of thing, or not half a beat slow in terms of foot speed, right? Yes, I, I think in terms of recognizing uh, what what coverages are happening or trusting when he can get rid of the ball, when a guy's open, that type of thing. I mean, the the best example that stands out was the interception he threw this past week. You know, Donovan Peoples Jones, he had him open. It was open, and he had to take a crow hop he probably didn't need, and he I, I don't think he was quite sure. He threw it late, and Jesse Bates was able to come across the all the way across the field and undercut it and intercept it. That's sort of like the worst of it, but there are certainly examples where you can see it's sort of just not quite to the speed or the comfort level, and, and that's him. That's also some of the guys that aren't quite accustomed to him in the heat of the moment. Like Deshaun Watson's a guy where if he's getting, you know, People are bearing down on him, and he, he doesn't like what he, he's a guy who likes to dump off the ball. That mm -hmm. takes you getting used to that you, you sort of expect that, whereas a lot of guys are thinking, oh, I've got a block. Um, and those little feel things are, aren't quite there yet. So, yeah, half a beat, it's just a little, a little behind where it needs to be in terms of the feel, in terms of the anticipation. All right. Uh, the Ravens last played Deshaun Watson, I believe, in 2019 in a game they won. They won big at home comfortably. Um, but one of the things in that game was they sacked him a bunch of times, like seven times. Trash Star Wars trash compactor pressure in terms of being uh, rushing for a lot and allowing that to just develop where Watson was actually uncomfortable as the pocket was compressing. Have you noticed any of that in two games back this year? I think um, there's certainly elements of this, and, and I attribute it to the the layoff where he drops his eyes. There, there are no question that there have been situations with the Bengals, especially the Bengals, uh, would send overload blitzes, and he may have had an open crosser and he didn't see it because he was looking down at the pressure. Um, there's certainly an element of, and you get this with a lot of guys, and I think it, you know, this is why. It's, it takes truly special players to sort of separate them. Um, a lot of guys who have the mobility, the athleticism of Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson 
drop their eyes because they are now looking for a path of escape and, and then attempting to reestablish. So there is some element to that. Uh, I think that's undoubtedly a thing for him, but at the same time, you did see some genuine escapability that was impressive and, and, and finding that comfort level. That's why I would say that is the element that looks the most like him pre layoff as opposed to where he is now. All right. All right. Terrific. I, I, foot speed wide. How does he look in terms of uh, not, not really escaping pressure? I'm not asking about as much as just on the run. How has he looked? Uh, I would say tentative. And by now, you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is it called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love Liquid Death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used Liquid Death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of Liquid Death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down Liquid Death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff, and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take Liquid Death. The other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around to your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take Liquid Death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. Go get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find Liquid Death retailers near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. I would say that the feel is not quite there in terms of especially making cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, the Browns have introduced uh, reads, uh, run pass option looks and stuff like that where they do have him keep the ball. And, uh, you know, several times he's just lost his footing as he's trying to run through the hole or he's conscious of trying to avoid the hit and then goes down early and then is mad at himself because he didn't, you know, he, he wasn't happy with the result of, of what he saw. So, you know, I, I think he's feeling it out. I think he, it seems like he's trying to be more conscious of his own personal safety than he ever was with Houston, because as you may recall, with Houston Texans, he would just throw his body around, and you're mm-hmm. sitting like you would start to wince after a while, going, "Please, just go down." Uh, it seems like he's trying to do that, and it's all of these factors are sort of combining to 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 make a sort of a a weird amalgamation of I, I want to get what I can get, I don't want to take the hit, and I'm not quite sure how how what the balance is yet. All right. Well, Ravens fans certainly can appreciate that. We're always concerned about Lamar. Lamar very good about taking hits. <laughs> yeah. But Huntley this last week took seven huge hits, and now he's in the concussion protocol. And, you know, it just here, – here's what bothers me, Pete, is you have a quarterback who is tremendously elusive at, as your A choice and is one of the best readers of leverage of any athlete in any sport, for my money. He's up there with Muhammad Ali, you know, in terms of guys who could read what the opponent was trying to do to him. And then you have Tyler Huntley. And he, he this last week he had a man in the open field, and I just knew he, he's going to get tackled straight up in the open field by this guy because he's got no elusiveness. And not only did he get tackled, he took a really hard hit doing it. And so you, that's kind of the worst of all, all situations. So with Watson, 
how is he as a leverage reader in terms of, of being able to really know how to put a move, read when the opponent has bitten on that move and go? Inconsistent at this point. Um, I, I would say, again, layoff plays a big part of that. It's feeling what he can get away with. There are times that it looks pretty good and, and you can see him manipulate a defender and be able to 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 get that angle and and get the outside now obviously he's a little different uh than Lamar Lamar's certainly not afraid to throw the ball when he's out on the move but you know he's such a, f- a phenomenal athlete and he trusts himself more than most anyone not named Mark uh not named uh Mark Edwards that he's going to uh or Andrews sorry Mark Andrews that he's he's going to trust himself Watson wants to deliver de- be the point guard. He wants to get the ball out. Now, if it's open, he'll take it, but he's always going to be more conscious of that. But there have been examples where uh, he has guessed wrong and gotten caught for it unquestionably. And, and obviously, you know, again, this is stuff that experience is going to teach him. But even when he was with Houston, I think he would get himself in trouble at times betting on himself in situations where he wasn't going to win and it ended badly. All right. Well, terrific. Uh, so we'll look forward to Watson anyway playing. Uh, let's talk about the Cleveland Browns draft and and how the players that have come in, how have they been what you expected and whatnot. And you can go through from top to bottom if you want, starting with Martin Emerson. Martin Emerson has been great uh, for the Browns. They needed a guy who could play physical football uh, at the corner position uh, with a fearless mindset. And he has all that. Now, at the time when they drafted him, you know, you had T. Higgins. He was the obvious guy. But the Steelers had all of these giant receivers, and then they obviously traded one. But that's something that the Browns didn't have. Denzel Ward is a very nice player, but he's, you know, 170 pounds. Uh, Greg Newsom is a talented player, but he's he's not that guy. So now Emerson stepped in, and he's given them a guy who can contend with those type of players. He had a phenomenal game against Mike Evans. He, he did well with uh, Mike Williams of the Chargers. He, he matches up with those guys pretty well. It, it was a shame. Uh, the, the first matchup against the Bengals, they did quite well. And then this last one, T. Higgins was out almost immediately, so you're sort of cheated on that. But that's what he does well. He's, he's, a, he's always going to have problems with smaller, shiftier guys. It's the nature of being that type of corner. But they love him for his fearlessness and his physicality. Um, you know, moving on to Alex Wright, coming on a bit now, he's huge. I mean, he's just a giant of a man. Uh, length, physicality, and speed is what they like about him. But coming out of UAB, he was extremely raw. Uh, and and even there, they they had him playing as a stand up outside linebacker, despite the fact he's like six five and. 270. Um, so it's been a learning process for him. And I think uh, there are things you like about him. I think he can be a competitor against the run. The biggest thing that stands out to me positively right now is he's getting his hands up and deflecting passes. The biggest thing negatively, he's getting out leveraged. He's a guy who will, who will, who will, who will uh, take the bait. He will give that. And that's obviously a problem against a team with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson or even Tyler Huntley. I don't know what to expect if if neither of those guys are playing from Anthony Brown, but that has been something that's hurt him both as a as a pass rusher and as a run defender. And I suspect that is something that the Ravens will look to take advantage of when he's in the game. Uh, David Bell, the receiver from Purdue, possession guy right now. They really like his size, his strength. Um, he's just very good at sort of getting open in this underneath area in in ways that sort of 
uh, Jarvis Landry did when he was here in previous years. Now they don't, the, 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 the volume is not there, but he's, his, his production is going up as the season moves on. Is, is he a guy they like to play as a big slot or they like to play him on the outside? Where do they usually uh, X, Y, or Z? For the most part, he's going to be in the slot. Um, they, it's big. I don't think it's impossible for him to play on the outside. It's just not a very good fit. His overall speed is not very good. I think he has a problem with those guys. Meanwhile, he's bigger than most slot corners and he's a little, he's athletic enough to beat linebackers. That's sort of that, that area. That's kind of the reason I asked the question because the Ravens have, have, handicapped themselves in a way but in other ways he's certainly the best guy they have is kyle hamilton playing slot corner now for them uh and he's a you know six four uh safety playing free safety frankly playing with four seven speed playing slot corner so this is a guy who is is big enough and physical enough to play tight ends so is bell the kind of receiver he would prefer to play against was would would be my question so does does cleveland have another smaller slot option for this game they do, uh, but they, I, they, they just brought in Jalen Darden because they put Anthony Schwartz on injured reserve with a concussion. Um, he has been here a couple days. I don't know if they trust him. They've also been using – Demetric Felton has been their jet guy, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I don't know how the Ravens would really play that if they'd really – Hamilton to sort of chase him. That seems unlikely to me. Um, but he's another guy you could see play in there. I mean, ultimately, their their best slot player uh, is 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 going to be Najoku. Or what the Browns really like to do, and here's some Bryant to a certain extent, what the Browns really like to do is play condensed formations and try to create matchups that way to, to potentially put, you know, Kyle Hamilton on Amari Cooper or Donovan Peoples-Jones. That's more their mindset. Um, then again, you know, traditionally when these two teams get together, the Browns have really liked to spread things out. And in that scenario, you could even see a guy like Kareem hunt end up on uh, Kyle Hamilton. And, and that again, Kyle Hamilton, I think in that situation is a good matchup against the Browns because he has those things you talked about. He is big enough. He's athletic enough for that area of the field. I think it's a, it's a good situation for them. I think if you, if you just personally, if they see a three wide receiver, so they're going to see plenty of 11 from the Browns, even though I know the Browns like to play some heavier formations in that. But if, if Hunt was the effectively the fourth receiver in there, which I think is the Ravens' real weakness now, if another team can put 10 or even 01 on the field, um, that, that, that would be Queen probably covering Hunt in that situation, which is obviously not an ideal matchup for the Ravens, I think you, you uh, know from his past. Yeah, well, the, the thing is, like, you watch these teams together. Like Kareem Hunt has not had a very good season for the Browns, mm-hmm. uh, and and I would say I would characterize his his overall career as relatively mediocre. Uh, you know, I think Cleveland Browns fans are way higher on him than than his play would warrant. But the one team, the one team that he seems to really excel against is Baltimore, and mm-hmm. and and that has shown through. Whether it was that shootout between Baker Mayfield and Lamar. Lamar Jackson, like Kareem Hunt, was sort of the guy that opened that game up for them. He just has enough of a skill set. And and some of that has been the Ravens linebackers have been iffier than they have, (laughs) um, to to put it kindly. And this year, they're obviously looking better in that position. So that if you were sort of to, 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 you know, handicap this game or, or look for the matchups compared from the first game to the second game, 
it's, it's it's the addition of Roquan Smith allowing Patrick Queen to take on a role that's probably a little bit better of a fit for Patrick Queen against Kareem Hunt and what that allows the Ravens defense to do becomes really interesting. And that that could be a sort of a, a pressure point on the game for both teams because if the Browns can can do that and they have in the past, it opens up other guys. Meanwhile, if the Ravens can shut that down, it could really put the Browns in a bind because they are so good at their defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, the Ravens are really not that good in the defensive back. Well, okay, they're good at safety, but they're they're really not that good at corner right now. They've had their they've had their issues this year. It just not being able to have a third corner has really hurt the Ravens, and 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 I it hasn't hurt the Ravens as much yet. Um, because they haven't really played a team that's really said, well, screw this, we're just going to play 10 personnel. And they, they got the Steelers did that to them in 2020 in a game to win it in Baltimore. And it was, it was ugly to see, but they, uh, they had to get a, a guy who never played before in the NFL on the field. And, uh, and that really hurt. Anyway, let's move on a little bit. Uh, how about other draft picks? Anybody further down the line? Perry and Winfrey was a guy that when we talked to, uh, Jacob OBR, uh, really had some problems with playing too high. Ha, Perry and Winfrey, um, fascinating player, overhyped in the draft process. If you actually watched his tape, probably went where he should have. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma tape was miserable. It was not good. He was he was much better in the Senior Bowl, and you're sitting there going, "Well, where was this?" Uh, you know, during the entire season, he was bad. To his credit, he's played his best two football games in the last two weeks because before that. The, the the issues that sort of plagued Winfrey in college, immaturity, poor decision-making, um, that hurt him. And it hurt him this year. He has made dumb decisions. He got in a scooter accident that, that gave him a, put him in concussion protocol. He's 300 pounds. Like, what are you doing? But <laughs> to his credit, he played really, he played well against the Houston Texans and, and fine. It's the Houston Texans. He played well against the Cincinnati Bengals. And to your point, he does play high. And, and, and there are times where he just gets away with it because he's strong enough to do it. But he's got some really bad habits uh, that can get him in trouble. And he is not a guy who anchors very well against double teams. And if you can get him in that, you're in business. But like I said, he is talented. He is he he's a little bit of a guy where you're sitting there hope you're sitting there fingers crossed, hoping he can sort of figure it out because there is talent in there. But his technique is miserable. Um, and that's the, you know, that's the thing is he's a guy who's playing almost entirely on physical ability and good teams can take advantage of that. And, and it's, it'll be interesting to see what, what they do with him. Um, but he's, you know, they, the, the only other rookie that's sort of really done much and, and, and may not even be active for this game would be Isaiah Thomas, the defensive end, another kid from Oklahoma, um he's been inactive the last couple weeks he did play against the Bengals in part because he had success against the Bengals the first time they like him because he's a guy who just does his job and he was really trustworthy at Oklahoma you could see him line up up and down the line because that team knew what they could count on from him and I think the Browns feel the same way it's just a question of if is that enough Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he plays the game this week if he doesn't um it's it will pivot on whether or not Chase Winovich is, is the other active player who's you know, journeyman. Okay. I guess guy. All right. So uh, let's see. Cade York was the other draftee oh, yeah, that I kind right. of want to talk about. Is, is there, a, is there anything about him that says, boy, we wish we hadn't drafted him up. Obviously got a big leg here. How's he look so far? 
Uh, wildly inconsistent. Um, clearly has a ton of talent. Um, it's been interesting. I, you know, I'm not somebody who who does a st- ton of studying with with kicking, but I've I've heard a number of theories with this. And the 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 more you know, so many people are quick to point out. Well, Corey Bohorquez, the punter, has such an awful track record with holding. It really doesn't seem like that's the issue here. And what from what I've seen you know, from guys like Jay Feely and, and Phil Dawson that talk about this is a lot of it's his plant leg and where it's pointing when he's making the kick. And, and, and that's been a problem. Um, so you get some incons- rabid inconsistency. The, the thing I, I credit with Cade York is he is confident. He is not a guy who is going to back down. In fact, you know, they made such a hullabaloo this past week when the Browns were at like the 50 yard line and Cade York is, they have the camera showing Cade York, lobbying please let me attempt the 68 yard kick mm-hmm. uh and 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 you know i'm part of you sitting there okay that's interesting but the bronze have been miserable protecting <laughs> field goals was was almost certainly going to be blocked and then and then potentially result in points so you know you look at Cade york's field goal percentage you're going why do they give up a fourth round pick for this guy and 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 for a lot of the things we've sort of talked about with this season is if you are going to have a season where you're breaking in a rookie kicker, this is the one to do it because the Browns are a, you know, inconsistent, you know, team that's not quite ready for, for prime time yet. Um, so Cade York's interesting. Uh, obviously they, they, they like him. They've got a ton of talent and, and I, and I actually really like the pick for, for financial reasons, as much as anything else, the Browns looked at this and said, this draft class is not very good which I agree with. And they said, look, if we get a great kicker who costs under a million dollars for each of the next four years, uh, then it's a win. Obviously he's got to do it, but you know, this was coming out of a year where people are like yelling at the Browns to go sign the the kicker from Atlanta who signed like a $24 million contract. It just makes no sense for what the Browns want to do. So for them, Cade York made all the sense of the world. Obviously he's got to make it happen, but it's one of those things where I think people get, way too hung up on kickers uh, and look you're spoiled you've got the greatest of all time in baltimore but um you know you, you generally don't lose because of kickers you lose because of everything else that's going on with your team and kickers are just sort of the the last piece of that yeah i mean i i i would agree with that in general particularly if you're talking about anything but the very very top tier of kickers and so it's a it's a it's certainly a big difference uh in terms of long run cap situation you touched on it early uh, where are the Browns in terms of 2023 cap? So right now the Browns have, depending on where you look, it's about $32 million in cap space mm-hmm. available to them. They extended uh player. They, they, they restructured Amari Cooper's contract when they traded for him. They signed, they signed David Njoku. They, they signed Denzel Ward. They signed, uh, you know, some of these other players and they put, the bare minimum Deshaun Watson included put the bare bare minimum into year one with the intent of rolling it over into next year so if it's 32 million dollars that becomes obviously 64 million dollars next year with rollover they're going to need all of it because they're going to have to now pay some of these contracts they're escalating they're going to have to pay up some dead cap and they still want to add players um and and they're in good shape now, what they're going to do almost as soon as it's possible is they're going to convert Deshaun Watson's $46 million salary into a signing bonus to give them a bunch more uh, 
freedom of movement. And the Browns are have been setting this up. They've got all their tentpole players sort of set up to be there for our, up until 2026. There's a couple in there that'll a little tell, bit. Tell short. me who those are. So that, does that include Ward or is it is it so, Garrett yeah. and Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, Deshaun Watson, uh, Wyatt Teller, Joel Batonio, all those guys are locked up. Uh, David Njoku is locked up. Amari Cooper's got a couple more years on his deal. He's he's one of those pivot players. Nick Chubb's got another year on his deal. He becomes sort of a pivot player. But uh, they've got, you know, they, they don't have anyone. They, they, they have to sort of, and they don't have a pending extension they've got to get done. Now, the one they will probably try to get done is Donovan Peoples-Jones. But he's got another year left on his rookie deal before they get into that and would probably do the same thing with him where they defer that money down the road. So they are, I, I think you could say they're following sort of the Saints game plan, but with a little more, with a little less drinking involved. <laughs> where the way their contract's set up is like if you push Deshaun Watson's money like that 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 salary down into what would be 2027 and they were to redo the deal they do the same thing and then he's effectively playing on what is the same amount of money uh for one more year but it's just divvied up differently in terms of how the con- the, the the cap works Okay. Now you mentioned uh, Donovan Peoples Jones. Is there anybody else who's a, a third-year player who they want an early extension with? That's a Ravens trick for sure. Is to is to find those guys, try to get a cheap deal done on a guy who's a who's a value player. No, and and the one I thought had a chance to be that guy this year was going to be Grant Delpit. Uh, mm-hmm. He had such a strong finish to 2021. And there was he was healthy going into this past offseason. Everybody thought, oh man, he he was great. Everybody's projecting him to be, uh, you know, a breakout player, myself included. And it just hasn't happened that way. He's 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 got a role, but he's not that guy. So right now, it's it's Donovan Peoples Jones. Uh, there's some other guys that uh, that they like, but nothing like in in that vein. Okay, all right. So it's it's often been a player that they could get fairly cheap. Like Chuck Clark was a player that they got, they got sure. cheap that way. And, and uh, um, Patrick McCary, it's not, it's not the, the, I mean, Chuck Clark is their green dot wearer now, but, but McCary is, you know, doesn't even play that much. He's, he's just a, a valuable sixth man in theory. Um, so anyway, I just want to see if there was anybody like that. Let, let's talk about on offense, maybe who, who the Browns are. And I'm sorry, we're running a little bit over. Are you good on time right now? Yeah, yeah you're, yeah, you're fine. Fantastic. Um, in, in terms of the the offense, what do what the what do the Browns present? Maybe maybe even that they didn't in the first game, other than the the obvious in terms of Deshaun Watson. Well, they've turned the offense over to him, and and what you're seeing is is a lot of that inside zone predicated keep or read or option look. Um, you know, they're they're incorporating the stuff that they sold him to get him in here. You, you're also seeing some of those stretch boot looks uh, going the other way. Uh, those are, you know, these are a lot of the things that the Jacoby Brissett wasn't great for, so they didn't do it. Um, you're seeing an increased use of of, uh, of motion in terms of orbit motion, and you had mentioned that, that the Ravens are probably not great if you get into you know four receiver looks and those type of things that type of action allows the browns to 
manipulate that situation pretty effectively. So if they, you know, even this past week, I, I the thing I didn't think we'd see until next year, they got in the pistol. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought that would be something that would take some more time with getting a true dive back in there. Uh, Kareem Hunt ate it. Um, is to then be able to take an orbit motion player or either out of the backfield or or from a receiver spot and then manipulate the defense that way to create those looks where they could either empty out the backfield or or pull somebody back in to try to to create those advantages. Uh, they're still going to do uh, you know, the, the, their wide zone stuff to a certain extent. It hasn't been great lately. The, the offensive line has not played particularly well in recent, the past month. Um, and then like basically every team in the league, it's more gap stuff. You're seeing more power. You're seeing more counter. You're seeing more trap looks. Um, and it's, it's trying to get some more downfield action with the play action game. You haven't seen a ton of that yet with Watson. You're seeing more intermediate um, but yeah, it's trying to create those those open throws. It's trying to create opportunities for Watson to create with his legs, trying to see more to the field and trying to force the defense to account for more things. In other words, they don't want to be Watson to be in the same place all the time. They want the defense to have to think about him in various op various looks. I did not mention this early, but has Watson been a significant play extender now since coming back? Obviously, that's something Lamar lives with, and he's much more effective when he's over three seconds time to throw than when he's down at 2.7 or some such. Yes, uh, he wants to be. Clearly, that's obviously strength of his with he, when he was with the Texans. He, he, that is something he wants to be. And it has presented challenges. Obviously, this is sort of, you know, all teams deal with this to a certain extent where you get the illegal man downfield call because the play's mm -hmm. taking too long and you're supposed to trying to trying to do that thing. And everybody goes, oh, why is the illegal man down? Well, because the line can't see in the back of their head and they're expecting to be a certain point in a certain time. But there was a great example this past week where they set up a against the Bengals, set up a screen initially going to the left, which also had Watson the ability to roll to his right. The Bengals defensive line turn tail and go take tackle screen because they read their keys. He flies out. There's one man between him and his receiver. He's able to pull that defender down at him. He hits the receiver like that type of stuff is that's who they want to be. It was a great play. There are plenty of clunky ones, but that's when you're sitting there going, yeah, this is what this offense is going to look like uh, when they really get this thing going. But yeah, the, the, some of the stuff I think is still out of their reach. Like I mentioned, they got pistol. I'll be curious to see how much they do with that because they don't have a dive player right now. In addition to the issues they have up front, they're on their fourth center at this point, um, who got eaten alive by DJ Reader, as do many. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Ravens have a, a schematic advantage up there right now uh, with their front that it, it presents a problem with the Browns the way they are playing right now, which hasn't been as much of an advantage in the past. Take us across the offensive line in terms of, of who's healthy right now. Then, because it sounds like uh, you know, Ethan Ethan Pochick, Pochick, How do I pronounce that? He's on a, he's on injured reserve mm -hmm. at the moment. Uh, Yeldi Froholt, the Danish center, uh, who's actually a guard, uh, is currently in its center. He's not injured. He's just overwhelmed. Uh, mm -hmm. They might get Michael Dunn back this week. They haven't made that official. I, I, I I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen. Um, he's another guard, but he was a center before. Um, he could theoretically jump in there, but Wyatt Teller came off of a calf injury. He has not been playing well. Uh, Jack Conklin, in addition to coming off the patella, torn patella that he, he recovered from last year, was dealing with a foot issue. 
He says he's healthy. His play suggests maybe not so healthy. Jed Ricoles is fine. He's just wildly inconsistent. And then the one guy who's great is Joel Batonio, who's going to be a future Hall of Famer. Uh, so that's sort of the issue is they've got one great player right now on a line that's accustomed to having so many. Right. Okay. Well, that'll be something to look for. Anything, um, anything you think the Browns might do differently to attack the Ravens' big weakness right now in defense, which is that lack of a third cornerback? Well, I think it, it like like I mentioned, I think for the Browns, it a lot of what they want to do is use condensed formations to try to juice the mashups in their favor. In, in this case, if it's using sale routes or or mesh concepts or some of those things to try to get the wrong, basically put the wrong man on the wrong guy at the wrong time for you know from a defensive perspective and try to take advantage of that. Um, but in terms of you know, how can they manipulate that in any meaningful way? It's hard to say because right now the offensive passing game amounts to Amari Cooper, who's coming off a weird little hip thing. He's supposedly going to be fine. Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's playing really well. And then David Dujoku, who's healthy, and he's been a nightmare when he's when he's been active. They don't really have that next guy established. David Bell's done a, few, a little bit. Kareem Hunt, not as much. Nick Chubb's getting a little more in the passing game. But that's, unless somebody sort of just, appears uh that's going to suddenly put put uh production on the board that's tough harrison bryant occasionally is another tight end that I, they like but hasn't been a consistent contributor that's going to be a challenging situation for them i mean the browns are a big team that loves to play tight and then go wide or play wide and go tight like if, if you catch my meaning in terms mm -hmm. of play a condensed formation and then run routes that force the defense to play all over the field or run uh, wide formations and have you know have have those routes attack sort of the inside part of the field and, and those type of things. So that's sort of where 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 I think they're going to go um, if they can pull out some wrinkles. I think Deshaun Watson really becomes the wrinkle if he can use you know if, if the Ravens are sort of stuck in a situation where they have to worry about all these receivers and then Watson can with with his legs you know that 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 becomes another pressure point for the Browns to sort of find a way to, it doesn't necessarily have to take over the game, but just extend a drive here or there. Sure. Yeah. The, the, the Browns, a point of attack run team uh, more so than the Ravens, obviously the Ravens, you know, do a lot of things to spread the line of scrimmage horizontally. The, the Browns do less of that. I, I take it right. Including with what they try and do with Watson now with these last couple of games. Well, yes and no. The, the answer Yes, they they really like to run gap stuff, but with Watson, um, they, they you know obviously this team was is is based in the wide zone, but because of Watson and what he does, so much of what they want to do now becomes out of inside zone looks, and it just mm -hmm. naturally does that. Um, whether that is to then read off of that or to play action off of that, but so much of that the RPO stuff they, that that he's comfortable with that they like to do is. Uh, out of inside zone. Now it'll be interesting to see if the Browns decide to use more of that stretch boot action coming back the other way. If the, if the, if the Browns determine they think they've got a sort of a speed advantage in that, I don't know mm -hmm. if that's a really a wise thing to do, but theoretically they could go that route. 
have the the Browns done much? I mean, you, you mentioned they moved back to pistol. The big big difference between playing pistol and sidecar for the Ravens has been where Lamar is a threat and not a sidecar. Usually, the back is a, hopefully a speed back and is an outside threat. Out of pistol, he's really running usually straight downhill, and Lamar then becomes an outside threat instead of an inside threat. How do the how are the Browns looking right now? So right the the, the times they've run pistol, it's been with uh, a sidecar and a guy in the backfield. Now they can mm-hmm. manipulate that depending on the situation. They can motion. They can do some other stuff. So right now, and uh, you know, I think this is sort of like the the basic stuff is right now the the sidecar is a dive, and then they've got the back can be an option look. The back can be a, a wider move, but then yeah, it becomes the dive back is attacking essentially a gap, and then Watson becomes B and C, and then you know whether that's to get to a passing point or to just run the ball, whatever, but they they have shown legitimately the option out of that. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's flip over the defensive side. And I know we're, we're keeping you over here. Apologize for that. Um, in terms of what they look, what the Browns typically do against 12 and 21 looks in. don't know if you've been following the Ravens this year, but they've run some of the heaviest personnel groups in uh, recent football history. The last six years, they're by far the heaviest team in terms of, of uh, playing the most, tight ends and fullbacks combined per play. They're at about 2.25 per play. And the highest previously had been slightly under two, the 2019 uh, Vikings. So this is a team that plays very heavy. What what do the Browns like to line up in against that? Well, first they pray. Uh, (laughs) Pray a lot because it's not a good fit for them based on what they're doing. Their, Their interior is not very good. Um, it's been a major problem for them. And then right now they are so injured at linebacker that, you know, they're going to have like Reggie Ragland might be playing this week. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's problem one. Uh, the, the guy that, that they lost for the season, Sione Takitaki, this is the matchup that they love to have him because he's a big physical downhill player. They don't have him. He's, he's done for the year. So they are lighter in the seat. Uh, they're playing Deion Jones at middle linebacker. This is probably a week you're going to see more Jordan Kunazic. Uh, now, the one guy who does thrive in the situation is Grant Delpit. Grant Delpit is a good run defender, a good player that can operate in the box. But the problem the Browns run into is they do not have enough heft inside. And what they've been doing in past weeks, and uh, with the exception of the Buccaneers, and, and I don't think they're going to do it much this week, is they stunt and slant and do all kinds of that stuff to try to get guys moving to create a little bit more of an, uh, an advantage. Uh, Perry on Winfrey, for example, against the Houston Texans was almost exclusively lined up in a tilt. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against the Ravens, uh, if they, especially if the Ravens you know, go hip to hip. It ain't mm-hmm. going to work. The problem is they they don't have that guy. You know, Taven Bryan is okay, but they don't have a you know that big hulking defensive tackle, and it's going to be tough for them to match up uh, with the the size and the talent the Ravens have, especially with that first round center who's obviously a good player. But you know, Ben Powers is just a lot of person to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this situation, uh, it, it becomes down to Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, and you're going to have to see how much they're going to try to pinch those two, how much they're going to be able to uh, control, you know, be able to make an impact going downhill while simultaneously avoid getting beat to the outside. 
but in this particular matchup, I suspect the Browns are going to have to use them more as force players and hope that their DBs in particular and maybe some of those linebackers can and safeties can chase down plays the outside. So often with this defense, they've been inclined to sort of say, we're going to force everything inside uh, because it, 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 at the very least makes a team predictable and we can theoretically win with numbers. Given what the Ravens are doing, I don't see how they do that. One, it's going to be very difficult to out leverage them if they're playing so many tight ends. And two, uh, if you just do that, I think the Ravens are just going to run them over uh, in a way that the Steelers have when they've played the Browns. So it's going to be very difficult for the Browns to sort of match up in that. And if you, you know, if you, if you get a lot of, sort of single high looks this week. I, I have to assume that's going to happen if Anthony Brown's the quarterback, that you're going to play basically one high and basically everybody up, up on the line of scrimmage. And it's just going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world for the Ravens, and it's going to be a nightmare for the Browns. Well, Brown had looked really great in the preseason. In fact, there were a lot of Ravens fans who thought he should have been kept as the third quarterback on the roster. We haven't seen any of that so far, uh, obviously in very brief play this last week. He, they needed to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible, play by play. Um, he made one really good pass to get him off the goal line. He made one another really good pass to get a first down. But they had an eight-minute drive that was basically just a schemed run drive. Include and then they, the next drive when they got the ball back after they gave up a touchdown, they they got a first down on on third and three with a six yard run against the Steelers. Where I don't think we'd have seen that in too many past years in terms of 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 how you go about getting that first down. But uh, they, you know, it's the Ravens don't have a lot of options either in terms of how they approach offense. And I would think you know the the player who's killed the Ravens in the past in terms of of what he gives them is JOK. What's his current status? That's the question. Uh, the, all they're saying right now is foot, um, mm-hmm. and that's that's another. That's why they could potentially be down a fourth linebacker. His status is up in the air. Um, they've been, you know, unless unless while we're recording, they've updated his status. That's a major question mark. If he's not available, that obviously hurts them. And I, you know, obviously when when he was there, it was so predicated on what Lamar Jackson was doing. Um, you know, with Anthony Brown clearly it'd be nice to have him because he's got that speed and ability to go get the quarterback uh, and chase down plays around. But if he's unavailable, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one more thing they don't have. Is it, uh, do you see this as a game where the Browns will do things to create forced errors against a quarterback like Brown? Is that their, their um, MO or are they more of a, let's see if he'll make his own errors. we got a great four man pass rush. Well, I, they wish they had a great four-man pass rush, but I, I think in, they would like to be able to create turnovers. That's certainly something they they talk about endlessly, but ultimately they are a defense that tends to want to to string teams out and allow them to sort of fail on their own. Uh, that has changed the past couple of weeks. They've been a little bit more forceful. They've been a little more more assertive on that element. It, it just I don't know if they they have enough guys. Now, if they do, it's 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 a huge advantage because if they can create turnovers, that could obviously change the game. But if they're in a situation where this becomes sort of a long, you know, trench warfare, World War One battle of a game, <laughs> um, the, the, like, and they they're in a defense that they sort of played most of the year, it becomes as long as they don't get seven, we're okay. And that's you know that's unfortunate, but too often they've had to rely on that 
Well, the Ravens have been pretty good about not putting up seven when they get in the red zone on teams. So that's a that's a good possibility there. Uh, let's finish up here with one player, maybe on both sides of the ball, you think really matches up well against the Ravens right now. Oh, man. One player that I think really – well, I mean, I mentioned Kareem Hunt. The, the, the guy – look, Deshaun Watson is the guy. Um, between what the Ravens are and what, they, and what the Browns want to be, the Browns obviously want to be a team that can run the football. And right now they're not doing it for a number of reasons. They need Deshaun Watson to open that up because if they get what they got this past week where Nick Chubb had 34 yards rushing, probably not going to end well for them. So Deshaun Watson has to open this game up. And I don't know if he's quite ready for that. I think the hope for the Browns is that the defense can keep the, the, the Ravens offense at bay long enough for him to sort of figure it out and get it going because he is problematic enough that I think between the the talent the Browns have at the receivers, that Deshaun Watson can either make throws or, again, here or there, make a play that extends a drive or creates a big play. You know, I, I, I never, I, I don't doubt the individual talent the Ravens have. What I do question is their ability to sort of have it all do what it's supposed to at the same time, which has obviously been been problematic in some of their fourth quarter issues they've had this year mm-hmm. so Deshaun Watson is the guy I think gives them the biggest advantage to sort of discombobulate a defense and that's why you got him same reason Ravens have Lamar Jackson defensively it's Miles Garrett uh, Ronnie Stanley is obviously back he's he's a good player uh, he has not had a ton of success against Miles Garrett Miles Garrett has obviously had a ton of success against the Ravens they he almost single-handedly beat the Ravens last year uh, he has to have a great game. He's playing incredibly good football. Um, he has to be able to create something, a, a turnover or something in this game that can either, if, if he doesn't do what he did last year and just force the fumble, pick it up and walk it in, in himself, he has to be able to create something that that becomes a, a big change of turnover, turnover, big play, something that, that, that shuts that shuts a drive or few down. Okay. All right. Outstanding, Pete. Terrific uh, rundown on where the Browns are right now. Really appreciate you coming on. Tell folks one more time where they can find your work and your Twitter handle. Yeah, you can find me in my complete lack of brevity at underscore uh, Pete Smith underscore uh, Browns Digest uh, si.com slash NFL slash Browns. Uh, yeah, that's that's where we're at. Okay, fantastic stuff. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. 20 to 25 minute topic. You got to be passionate. Otherwise, treat me like a radio call in host. I'm always looking for a couple extra shows per week. I like to talk to people who really want to talk football. Pete, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for putting up with me. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.